0: section thirty five of the south pole this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox recording by vera and the south pole by rold atmson translation by a g carter section thirty five Volume Two, chapter sixteen the voyage of the frang the oceanographical cruise by 1st Lieutenant Thorvald Nielsen. According to the programme, the Fram was to go on an oceanographical cruise in the South Atlantic, and my orders were that this was to be arranged to suit the existing circumstances. I had reckoned on a cruise of about three months. We should have to leave Buenos Aires at the beginning of October to be down in the ice at the right time about New Year. As we were too short-handed to work the ship, take soundings, etc., the following four seamen were engaged, H. Halvorsen, A. Olsen, F. Stella, and J. Anderson. At last we were more or less ready, and the Fram sailed from Buenos Aires on June 8, 1911, the anniversary of our leaving Horton on our first hydrographic cruise in the North Atlantic. I suppose there was no one on board on June 8, 1910, who dreamed that a year later we should go on a similar cruise in the south. We had a pilot on board as far as Montevideo, where we arrived on the afternoon of the ninth, But on account of an increasing wind, we had to lie at anchor here for a day and a half, as the pilot could not be taken off. On Thursday afternoon, the 10th, he was fetched off by a big tugboat, on board of which was the secretary of the Norwegian consultant. This gentleman asked us if we could not come into a harbour, as people would like to see the ship. I promised to come in on the way back, if we had time. On Sunday morning, the 11th, we weighed anchor and went out in the most lovely weather that can be imagined gradually the land disappeared and in the course of the evening we lost light we were once more out in the atlantic and immediately everything resumed its old course in order to save our supply of preserved provisions as much as possible we took with us a quantity of live poultry and no fewer than twenty live sheep which were quartered in the farm on the port side of the vessels foredeck. sheep and hens were all together and there was always a most beautiful scent of hay, so that we had not only sea air, but country air. In spite of all this delightful air, three or four of the crew were down with influenza, and had to keep their baths for some days. I reckon on being back at Buenos Aires by the beginning of September, and on getting, if possible, one station a day, the distance, according to a rough calculation, was about 8,000 nautical miles, and I laid down the following plan, to go about east by north with prevailing northerly and northwesternly winds to the coast of Africa, and there get hold of the east trade, if we could not reach Africa before that date, then to turn on July 22nd, and lay our course with the southeast trade for St. Helena, which we could reach before August 1st, from there again with the same wind to south trinidad august eleventh or twelfth on again with easterly and north winds on the south course until about august twenty second when the observations were to be concluded and we should try to make buenos aires in the shortest time that was the plan that we attempted on account of fresh water from the river la plata we did not begin at once to take samples of water, and with a headwind, northeast, we lay close off for some days. We also had pretty stiff breeze, which was another reason for delaying the soundings till the 17th. For taking samples of water, a winch is used, with a sounding line of, let's say, 5,000 metres or 2,734 fathoms, on which are hung one or more tubes for catching water. We use three at once to save time. Now, supposing water and temperatures are to be taken at depths of 300, 400, and 500 meters, or 164, 218, and 273 fathoms. Apparatus 3. It's was hung on about 3 meters or 10 fathoms from the end of the line, where a small weight hangs. Then it is lowered until the indicator wheel, over which the line passes, shows 100 meters, or 54 fathoms. Apparatus 2 is then put on. And it's lowered again for another 100 meters, when apparatus 1 is put on and the line paid out for 300 meters, or 164 fathoms. That is, until the indicator wheel shows 500 meters, or 273 fathoms. The upper apparatus 1 is then at 300 meters or 164 fathoms, number 2 at 400 meters or 218 fathoms, and number 3 at 500 meters or 273 fathoms. Under apparatus 1 and 2 is some a slipping sinker, about 8 centimeters or 3 and a quarter inches long, and 3 centimeters or 1 and a quarter inches in diameter to the water-samplers are attached thermometers and tubes arranged for the purpose the water-samplers themselves consist of a brass cylinder about thirty-eight centimetres or fifteen inches long and four centimetres or one and a half inches in diameter about half a litre of water set in a frame at about the middle of the cylinder are pivots which rest in bearings on the frame so that the cylinder can be swung 180 degrees, straight up and down. The cylinder, while well, being lower in an inverted position, is open at both ends, so that the water can pass through. But as its upper and lower ends of valves, working on hinges and provided with packing, when the apparatus is released, the cylinder swings round, and these valves then automatically close ends of the cylinder the water that is thus caught in the cylinder at the required depth remains in it while it is being heaved up and is collected in bottles when the apparatus is released the column of mercury in the thermometer is broken and the temperature of the water is read at the same depth as the water is taken from the release takes place in the following manner when all the cylinders have been lowered to required depths they are left hanging for a few minutes so that the thermometers may be set at the right temperature before the column of mercury is broken. Then, a slipping sinker is sent down the line. When the sinker strikes the first apparatus, a spring is pressed, a hook which has held the cylinder slips loose, and the cylinder turns completely over. As it does this, the valves, as already mentioned, close the ends of the cylinder, which is fixed in its new position by a hook the bottom of the frame. At the same instant, the slipping finger that hangs under apparatus 1 is released, and continues the journey to apparatus 2, where the same thing happens. It is then repeated with apparatus 3. When they are all ready, they are heaved in. By holding one's finger on the line, one can feel, at all events in the fairly come weather when the finger strikes against the cylinders but I used to look at my watch, as it takes about half a minute for a sinker to go down 100 metres. The necessary data entered in a book. On the morning of the 17th, then, the sails were clewed up, and the frown began to roll even worse than with the sails set. We first tried taking soundings with a sinker of 66 pounds, and a tube for taking specimens of a seabed at two thousand metres or one thousand and ninety-three fathoms or more the line broke so that single tube and over two thousand metres of line continued their way unhindered to the bottom i had thought of taking samples of water at four thousand three thousand and two thousand metres or two thousand one hundred eighty-seven one thousand six hundred and thirty-nine one thousand and ninety-three fathoms and so on and water cylinders were put on from zero to two thousand metres this however took six hours next day on account of the heavy sea only a few samples from zero to one hundred metres or fifty-five fathoms were taken on the third day we made another attempt to get the bottom this time we got specimens of the sea from about four thousand five hundred metres about two thousand five hundred fathoms the heaving in and taking of water samples and temperatures occupied eight hours from seven a m till three p m or a third part of the twenty-four hours in this way we should run at least nine months on the route that had been laid down but as unfortunately this time was not at our disposal we once gave up taking specimens of the bottom and samples of water at greater depths than 1,000 meters, or 546 fathoms. For the remainder of the trip, we took temperatures and samples of water at the following depths. 0, 5, 10, 25, 50, 75, 100, 150, 200, 250, 300, 400, 500, 750, and 1,000 meters or zero two and three quarters five and a half thirteen and a half three seven forty one fifty four eighty one one hundred eight one hundred and thirty five one hundred and sixty four two hundred eighteen two hundred and seventy three four hundred and ten and five hundred and forty six fathoms in all fifteen samples from each station and from this time forward we went on regularly with one station every day finally we managed to heave up two water cylinders on the same line by hand without great difficulty at first this was done with a mortar and sounding machine but this took too long and we afterwards used nothing but a light hand winch before very long we were so practised that the whole business only took two hours these two hours were those we liked best of the twenty four all kinds of funny stories were told especially about experiences in buenos aires and every day there was something new here is a little one of the members of the expedition had been knocked down by a motor car in one of the busier streets the car stopped and of course a crowd collected at once Our friend lay there wondering whether he ought not to be dead Or at least to have broken a leg, so as to get compensation. While he lay thus, being prodded and examined by the public, he suddenly remembered that he had half a dollar in his pocket. With all that money, it didn't matter so much about the compensation. Up jumped our friend like an india-rubber ball, and in a second he had vanished in the crowd, who stood open-mouthed, gazing after the dead man our speed on this cruise was regulated as nearly as possible so that there might be about one hundred nautical miles between each station and i must say that we were uncommonly lucky in the weather we made two fairly parallel sections with comparatively regular intervals between the stations as regular in any case as one can hope to get with a vessel like the fram which really has too little both of sail area and engine power the number of stations was sixty in all and eight hundred and ninety-one samples of water were taken of plankton specimens one hundred and ninety were sent home the further examination of these specimens in norway will show whether the material collected is of any value and whether the cruise has yielded satisfactory results as regards the weather on ship, it was uniformly good the whole time we had a good deal of wind now and then the seas rolling, but for the most part, there was a fresh breeze. In the southeast trade, we sailed for four weeks, and a stretched without using the engine, which then had a thorough overhauling. At the same time, we had a good opportunity of smartening up the ship, which we needed badly. All the iron was freed from rust, and the whole vessel painted both below and above deck. The decks themselves were smeared with a mixture of oil, tar and turpentine, after being scoured all the rigging was examined at the anchorage at buenos aires nearly the whole ship was painted again masts and yards, the outside of the vessel and everything inboard, both deck houses the boats and the various winches palms etc in the engine room everything was either shining bright or freshly painted everything hung in its place in such order and cleanliness reigned that it was a pleasure to go down there the result of all this renovating and smartening up was that when you fetched up by the key at bruno's aires the Fram looked brighter than i suppose she has ever done since she was new during the trip the holes were also cleaned up and all the provisions out and an inventory made of them a whole suit of sails was completely worn out on this voyage but what can one expect when a ship is being worked every single day of clewing up making fast and setting of sails both in calms and winds this work every day reminded me of the corvette alida when the order was all hands aloft as a rule though there was only clewing up the sails that had to be done as we always had to take soundings on the weather side so that the sounding line should not foul the bottom of the vessel and smash the apparatus and we did not lose more than one thermometer in about nine hundred soundings on account of all this wear and tear of sails one was occupied the whole time both at sea and in buenos aires in making and patching the sails as there was not much more than the leeches left of those that had been used and on the approaching trip to the ice barrier we should have to have absolutely first-class things in the roaring forties june thirtieth nineteen eleven is a red-letter day in the france history as on that day we intercepted our course from norway to a and the france just completed her first circumnavigation of the globe. bravo from it was well done especially of the bad character you have been given as a sailor and a sea-boat in honour of the occasion he had better dinner than usual. And the France was congratulated by all present on having done her work well. On the evening of July twenty-ninth, St Helena was passed. It was the first time I had seen this historic island. It was very strange to think that the greatest spirit of a hundred centuries, as some author had called Napoleon, should have ended his restless life on this lonely island of the South Atlantic. On August 12th, when daylight came, we sighted a little mountain vast islands ahead, and a little later, south Trinidad. In 1910, this island was passed on October 16th. We checked our chronometers, which, however, proved to be correct. From noon till 2pm, while we were lying still and taking our daily hydrographic observations, a sailing ship appeared to north of us, lying close to the south she bowed on us and ran up her flag and we exchanged her usual greetings she was a norwegian bound of australia wife we did not see more than four or five ships on the whole voyage and those were pretty far off never since leaving madeira september nineteen ten had we been troubled with animals or insects of any kind ever but when we were in brino's Aires for the first time at least half a million flies came aboard to look at the vessel i hoped they would go ashore when the Fram sailed but no they followed us until by degrees they passed peacefully away on fly paper well flies are one thing but we had something else that was worse namely rats our horror and dread and for the future our deadly enemies the first signs of them i found in my bank on the table in the far saloon they were certainly not particular what i said on the occasion had better not be printed although no expression could be strong enough to give vent to one's annoyance at such a discovery we set traps but what was the use of that when the cargo consisted exclusively of provisions one morning as rome was sitting at work making sails he observed a shadow flying past his feet and according to his account into the false loom. The cook came roaring. There was a rat in the false loon! Then there was a lively scene. The door was shut, and all hands started hunting. All the cabins were emptied and rummaged. The piano, too. Everything was turned upside down, but the rat had vanished into thin air. About a fortnight later, I noticed a cop's belt in Hazel's cabin, which was empty. On closer, sniffing at examination, it turned out to be the dead rat a big black one unfortunately a male rat the poor brute, that had starved to death had tried to keep itself alive by devouring a couple of novels that lay in a locked drawer how that rat got into that drawer beats me on cleaning out the provision whole nests were found with several rats in them six were killed but at least as many escaped we have a whole colony A reward was promised of ten cigars for each rat. Traps are tied again, but all this did very little good. When we were in Buenos Aires for the second time, we got a cat on board. It certainly kept the rats down, but it was shot on the barrier. At Hobart, we provided a few traps, which caught a good many, but we shall hardly get rid of them altogether until we have landed most of the provisions and smoked them out. We have also had a lot of moth. At present they have done nothing beyond easing a couple of holes in my best trousers. During the whole of this cruise we had a fishing line hanging out, but it hung for a whole month without there being a sign of the fish. In spite of the most delicate little white rat that was attached to a hook. One morning the keenest of our fishermen came up as usual and felt the line. Yes, by jove. At last there was one and a big one too as he could hardly haul in the line by himself there was a shout for assistance hi you beggar come and then a hand there's a big fish help came in a second and they both hauled all they were worth ah he's a fine glistening fish tell me grant to get fresh fish for dinner At last the fish appeared over the rail but alas, it was seen to have no head. it was an ordinary soft fish about three-quarters of a yard long, that some joker had hung on the line during the night. That we all had a hearty laugh Goes without saying, the fishermen included, as they took it on good part. As a fishing boat, the frame is on the whole not very successful. The only fish we caught, besides the above-mentioned stockfish, was a real live fish, but unfortunately it fell off the hook as it was being hauled in. According to account of eyewitnesses, the fish was six feet long and one broad. Now we don't fish more. On august nineteenth, the hydrographic observations were brought to an end, and a course was laid for Buenos Aires where we anchored in their ropes at midnight on september first. End of section thirty five.